anyway, yeah. So, so like I was saying, there was this guy who used to go to the gym uh, years back, like starting in back in like 2012. So I've known him for a while. Um, and he, he uh, I posted a reel one day a while back, like maybe a month or so ago. And he, he like messaged me and he was like, dude, I'm so shredded. I'm so, I'm the leanest I've ever been in my whole life. I'm also the most miserable I've ever been in my whole life. Oh, like, I, I can't even, he's like, I can't eat anything without thinking I'm going to get fat. Boy. And like, I was like, bro, like, I, I don't even know why you do this to yourself. Like, what's the point? Um, he's we like, I can't, even, I can't even enjoy a steak. Like, he's like, I, I was like, dude, that's, that's some fucked up shit. Like, that's not really that good. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. You look amazing. Like you, like from, from a, just a aesthetic perspective, like you look fucking great, but you know, you got to realize that chasing the numbers, chasing the, the abs, like on at some point, like that's not what actually makes you happy, right? Like that isn't what is going to make you happy. Yeah. If you're not If you're not happy to begin with, right? If you're not happy going into this process of losing weight, getting shredded, putting yourself through like these horrendous, you know, dieting protocols to, to be, to, to be the guy with the eight pack, not the six pack, the eight pack, right? At like that, that takes some serious work. And if you're not happy before you do that, you're not going to be happy when you get there. Right. And, and, and yeah, so that guy recently started posting, um, what I eat in a days, but oh. on top, not even, not even exactly, literally posting pictures of his food. And then after each picture of his food is the macro breakdown. <laughs> so yesterday I replied to him one of his stories and I was like, dude, I can't think of three, three things I would rather not eat in the morning more than egg whites, fat-free cheese and turkey bacon. <laughs> 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 that was my reply to his story. I was like, what the, what about just eating bacon and fucking eggs, man? Like what happened to that? Uh, yeah. Live too much your- fat. I need to have fat for my dinner. Uh, I was like, dude, you know, I'm on this diet. It's called, I eat whatever I want. It's really good. It's working for me. Oh God. <laughs> I, was kinda, I wasn't, I wasn't that facetious. No, I wasn't that mean, but it, I did say some of that stuff to him. I was like, dude, this is, we're actually going to do a mushroom trip together because I'm supposed to help him with his, uh, with his, with his, his lack of contentment in life. That's very something cool. Good, something good actually came out of it, but, um, you know, he, he's, he's in a, I guess, dark place to some degree with his, like his self image and it's sad. And I, and I hope to be able to help him. For sure. Well, thank you for that intro episode. I mean, <laughs> episode story john that was awesome um so today's topic is going to be about sort of what john was just talking about um we're going to talk about orthorexia which if you don't know what that is it's a type of eating disorder and it is pretty much when you have an obsession with eating clean quote-unquote clean foods you have an obsession with looking at the ingredients and the Mm 
sort of like the purity of your food and with the times. And it's like when you're just, you're just obsessed with eating healthy and it becomes an obsession. Quote unquote healthy. I would yeah. say quote unquote healthy. Yeah. Quote unquote healthy. And it becomes an obsession that turns into a disorder. And John and I both struggled with orthorexia. Um, so did my friend who I, we were just talking, like, that's what I just was talking about is orthorexia, basically, right? This like obsession with having to, I can't, I can't eat a normal dinner because it's going to have too much fat in it. Like, so I'm going to eat yeah. chicken breast and broccoli for dinner. Exactly. And like, when you won't allow yourself to eat steak or you won't allow yourself to eat a real egg and you can only eat egg whites, it becomes, <laughs> there's like a line that you cross where you are one part is reaching goals and one part is disordered eating. And it is very easy to blur those lines because people get confused with like, I'm trying to lose weight and I have a goal to reach and I am, you know, teetering into the disordered eating. So John and I both struggled in different ways, but I mean, an eating disorder is an eating disorder in the end. And I think it's a super cool episode because Again, like I said, in the first and second episode, our dynamic is very different, um, but very similar at the same time. And so we're both going to discuss and describe how our eating disorders came about and how they affected our lives and how we're in recovery. And yes, I think it's also a great thing to talk about because I've talked about my eating disorder many, many times, whether it's my other podcast, my Instagram, whatever. Um, and I just, I feel like I never hear men talk about eating disorders. It's either taboo or embarrassing or makes you a quote unquote pussy. I was just going to say, you almost never hear dudes, guys talk about like orthorexia and no, there's not very many anorexic guys. I do actually know someone from university that I was friends with who I lifted weights with, who, who admittedly, admittedly admitted to me, at least that he was to some degree bulimic. Yeah. You don't well, hear about a lot, but you said it, that they exist. There's not a lot of men who are anorexic, but there's just not a lot of men that you know that are anorexic. Correct. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, for sure. Keep that in yeah. mind, right? Like, it's just not something that's overly talked about, right? Like, um, but yeah, it, it does happen, you know. Of course. Yeah. And I think it's more accepted, I guess. It's not accepted in society yet. Eating disorders, I don't think. It's like they're slowly becoming more normalized, but I think for men, they still aren't. And a lot of men are embarrassed to talk about it. And even in like TV shows, it's always the woman who has an eating disorder or in whatever you watch. Like there's a, there's a Netflix movie and it's with, um, what's her name from Emily in Paris. I forget any celebrities. So, okay. Whatever her name is, her last name's Collins. I forgot her first name. And it's called to the bone. It's really great if you want to watch it. And, um, she has anorexia, but of course it's like a woman playing the role. You never see hardly ever. Do you see anorexic men? And so I think it'll be a great combo, John. No doubt. No doubt. Um, and just from your beginning story with the, what I eat in a day videos, I have my own opinion on those, which I think, you know, and I don't like them because I think they are very, uh, triggering. And the point behind, I would say majority of what I eat in a day videos is to prove that you eat cleaner than the next person and that you have self-discipline and willpower and that you can eat like 
so strict and, and whatever, so perfectly. And I, I understand that some of them are super helpful. And a lot of people have said to me, I don't agree with your opinion on what I eat in a day videos because they do give me, um, inspiration to cook this food and eat healthier and whatever. And that's great. If you're getting inspired by what I eat in a day videos, that's amazing. But I know that a lot of people also get inspired to restrict or mimic the exact food that this person's eating. And you don't even know this person. And so that's why I'm not a big fan of them. Um, but you know, to each their own. Yeah. You know, it, what I eat in a day videos, I, I think, you, I think your overall summation is pretty accurate. Um, you know, I think social media gives people an avenue to like, and, and it's human nature too, right? Like human, hu, people want validation. We seek validation. Right. And so. Nope. Cough, excuse me. Cough break. <laughs> um, no, we, we seek validation and, you know, we, we love to, you know, I think this has become a theme too in, in societies, this like virtue signal, the like I'm greater, you know, better than the you um, kind of thing that happens. And, and, and that's definitely personified in what I eat in a day videos. Cause like you said, I, I imagine that the very large majority of people posting those videos are not posting them because it's like, Hey, these are tasty foods and check out this great recipe right? It's like, check out how fucking good I am at my macros and how healthy this is. And you should be more like me. Um, and you know, I, I guess cool. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that, you know, like, you know, maybe if you're, maybe if you're looking for, for like quote unquote healthy food options, um, those are good videos, yeah, but I don't think you need like you don't always need this like macro. I don't know. I mean, you don't need a whole video to tell you to give you inspiration of what to eat, what healthy foods to eat. There's millions and millions of recipes online, and I do like it though when people like influencers or whatever people on social media post like a snippet of their lunch because then that's inspiring, you know but you don't need to see like every little bit and you know that they're not including every single thing that they ate, please. You know? So also the reason why I have the, the uh, opinion I do, meaning you just want to see what the people are eating is because whenever I see people comment, please post what, it, what you eat in a day. It's like either to the skinniest people who have a six pack and they're ripped or they're just super skinny and you want to know <clears throat> how they attain that body or it's to people in larger bodies and you want to know how much food they're eating. Like you wonder, are you eating 7,000 calories a day? And I've seen it on both ends of the scale. And some of the people will reply back and be like, Oh, I, I, they'll like give a little summary of what they eat or they'll make a story on Instagram and just be like, here's some snack options, whatever. Cause I think they realize what, what the goal is, you know, like you just want to see how I have this body. And it's kind of sad when people ask for that. Yeah. I mean, I, I get it. Like I understand why people are curious oh, same. About, about it. Um, but 
you know, we did allude to this on the last podcast, which is that I, I think there needs to, there ought to be a refinement of, of health, the definition of health. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of, like we said last time, I think there's a, a big, um, there's this idea somehow that how you look specifically is health, right? And that isn't necessarily true. And on top of that, the other thing too is, is that like, I got to be honest with you, like sometimes, you know, like, okay, like, like honestly, fucking protein powder pancakes. Like, <laughs> shut the fuck up. Like, honestly, get out of here with that crap. Like, like I don't want to like, fuck. Yeah, but you're different, like, John. No, I know. But like, I've eaten protein pancakes, like, and they don't fucking taste good. Like, it's not good. Okay. And, and, and quite frankly, and here's, here's an honest opinion. And maybe this, this is, it probably won't pull a like trigger anyone here, but like this fucking supplement shit, like protein powders all the time and like pre-workouts and BCAAs and, and all this stuff. Like, you, you know, like you, 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 it's, I have a really hard time buying into the idea that that stuff is actually good for you. Um, because oh, I, I, I've, I've, I've eaten so much of that and, you know, I mean, how much sweetener is in chocolate protein powder? I mean, and let's also, let's go even a step further and say, can you even tell me where that like whey protein came from? Like, do you know, like, and I mean, that's a good question in general for our food sourcing is like, do you know where your food came from? Um, that's probably, that is actually a pretty good indicator of the, the, the nutritional quality of it. Right. And, and so when I think about things like protein powder and BCAAs and all this stuff that gets mashed into this idea of health, you know, I don't buy it. That shit's not healthy. I, it really isn't, uh, in my opinion, feel yeah. free to disagree, but you know, I've, I've eaten the, the nighttime proteins and I've had the BCAAs and I've eaten the like creatine stack and the, and the, the NO explodes and I've done it all. Like, and, and quite frankly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I've, I've had better results, you know, you know, what's been a better investment of my money than spending, you know, a couple hundred dollars a month on supplements. Spending a couple couple extra hundred dollars a month buying better quality foods from the store. Amen. Cooking them myself. That has been a significantly better investment than buying garbage protein powder laden with sweeteners and who knows what ingredients you can't even pronounce. It's true. It's definitely true. But on the same token, I do understand people who do um, eat those things. Because again, like we just said, people have goals and they think that the way to reach those goals is to, or they've been sold the idea that the way to reach the goals is to have the protein shakes because they're high in protein and low in fat and all the things. But I mean, when you mentioned protein pancakes, I kind of got triggered because I was that person and it reminded me. I, of I ate them too, though. Like I said, yeah. I, I've eaten them. I've, I've done all like all of this stuff that I'm quote unquote chirping. I've done. Yeah. Right. So like I'm, I'm seeing it from the other side, having lived that life. Right. For sure. And I mean, if that's the life you choose to live, then go for it. Run yeah, with do it. You. But stop totally. calling it healthy. That's all I'm saying. Just stop calling it healthy. Stop pretending like buying, buying protein, but all this stuff is actually healthy. You know, and that that's what gets me. 
Like yeah. that's really the thing that gets me. Yeah, for sure. I was going to say with the protein pancakes, it reminds me of this thing that I used to, I don't know if it's a coin term, but I would tell all my friends, like I have health goggles on when like, I would buy all these like high protein, low sugar snacks. And I would make protein pancakes and I would make like, we talked about this one time, like protein ice cream. Like it literally, none of it tastes good. It's, no. just, it's just health goggles. And it's like also, um, what else is there? There's just like so many snacks on the market that I used to love that I'm like, I look back and I'm like, Oh my God, the health goggles that I had. And I would tell people that they're good. And I would like tell my followers, like, you should go buy this. It's so delicious. And then now I'm like, absolutely not. Please don't buy that. You know, like, but, here's the, like, if you're going to eat ice cream, just fucking eat ice cream. Why? Do, like it, this is, this kills me. Right. Like this is, it's the same with pancakes. Like if you feel like you need to eat pancakes, just eat the fucking pancakes. If you want to have some ice cream, but you know, like maybe don't have 10 pancakes, maybe have three on, but, on yeah. a Saturday, once a month, let's practice some moderation instead of, instead of like trying to pretend that, what we're doing is somehow way better. And I, when it probably actually isn't. Um, and I'd say the same thing with ice cream, just like, can we not just like buy some nice ice cream and get some course of dairies going and like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, cause if I'm eating ice cream, I ain't no, I am not eating protein, whatever fucking ice cream you talked about. Because ice cream, man. Yeah. But Kawartha dairy doesn't fit in people's macros. And so okay, they well, have- I don't give a fuck. I know, but they do. Right. Well, that's that's great. But and 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 notice the de- deterioration of your quality of life by by restricting yourself from these things. You know, we've talked about that. It's you know the mental anguish you have to deal with. Like it's as as you said very well yesterday. Is the juice worth the squeeze? Like if I, I was if, literally just. I just wrote that down on my page. Hilarious. Like if you're going to, you know what, if you're going to, you might as well just not eat the fucking ice cream or or the pancakes. Just like, I don't know. That's my opinion. Lots of people disagree. And I know that, but, and that's okay. Right. Like disagree with me, have your opinion, live your life and do what you want. This is just our experience. Right. And, and, and both of us speaking from coming from the perspective of living that life to transitioning into uh, a different lifestyle. Um, for sure. Yeah. That, that's how I feel about it. For sure. Yeah. I was going to say, I was literally going to say, is the juice worth the squeeze, but it's my new favorite saying. And um, it's a good one. It's such a good one. And um, I was going to say like, we are not chirping your goals, but I think it's super important to realize like whether you're someone listening right now and you're like, well, maybe the protein ice cream works for me at night. Well, if it does, then that's the protein ice cream. <clears throat> John, we <laughs> talked we about, talked about we talked about interrupting. Okay. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But we no. did. No, you're right. I'm um, sorry. If the protein ice cream works for you and the protein pancakes work for you, keep it up. You know, like if that's you, do you. But all we're talking about is are you going to be doing that for your whole life? Like, are you going to want these fitness goals your entire life? Are you going to want to eat protein ice cream as your cravings like satisfier every night? And the issue is that you have to look at longevity here because not physical longevity though. I mean, mental longevity, Mm -hmm. because 
when it when it comes down to it and you are 50 or 60 years old and you just want to eat ice cream you want to have that relationship with food that allows you to eat ice cream and not think oh well there's no protein in here or i should have done this or i should have done that and i understand maybe you're 20 or you're 30 or you're 40 right now and you have goals in the gym and you want to do a uh I don't know, a model, a fitness modeling thing and, or whatever it is. And that's fine, but it really does come down to, are you doing it out of the love for fitness and out of the love for health? Or are you doing it because you have this obsession and you have this overarching fear over some of these foods? And it really is important to think about that, right? Because John and I now, now that we're not in our eating disorder, we do enjoy these things and it is part of our life. And when we eat pizza, it's not a big deal. It's just another day. And maybe there are some thoughts surrounding those things. I know I still have food guilt, but there's definitely been steps in the right direction. And it's like, if we were still in those, in that mindset, then everything would be guilt, you know? And it's just, it's such a difficult thing to navigate and we know the struggle and we know how hard it is to, to reach the other side and get out of that mindset, but it, it truly is not, it's just not, um, sustainable and realistic for life when that, like, you're going to be out for dinner one day with your kids and you're not going to try the cake or the ice cream. It's just like, think about the future here. Yeah. All, all I really ask is that you just like, stop telling me that protein ice cream is healthy and tastes good. (laughs) You're so mad about that. Honestly, because it's not, and it doesn't. Like, <laughs> I'm you serious, are so though. mad. I just like, cause that it, it honestly, like, I, I don't know how else to say it really. Like we need like just own, you know, I'm on a strict diet regimen and I need, you know, and I'm trying to, to look a certain way. This isn't necessarily healthy and it's not probably not that great for me, but this is what I need to do to look the way I want to look in this short-term goal. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I think reframing some, a, a lot of the time, a reframe of, of the words that we're using to describe the, what we're accomplishing would be really beneficial for everyone involved. Totally. Right. Cause protein pancakes don't taste good. <laughs> protein powder is not healthy for you. Um, aesthetics doesn't always make you mean you're healthy. Right. Um, and a lot of this stuff, as you rightly said, is not at all sustainable for a long-term fitness goal or a long-term health and fitness goal. It's not. And, and quite frankly, improving your relationship to, towards food and yourself will do you a lot more service in the long-term than eating fucking protein pancakes will straight up. For sure. I mean, yeah, people might have good recipes, so holler at your girl if you do, but also don't. I don't want any protein pancakes recipes because I'm eating the real <laughs> shit. I'm, and I'm, I'm covering that stuff with, with some maple syrup and everything. Oof, yummy. Right? Oh God, I can't even get into the topic of artificial sweeteners. Like it literally, mm, I can't, I don't want to. Maybe we should just start on orthorexia. Yeah? 100%. So John and I were talking earlier today about this episode and how we were going to frame it and phrase it and bring it back to how our childhood experiences did not cause, but definitely led to our eating disorders. 
And so I was saying to John, I was like, remember the story you told us last episode about how when you were eight or 10, I forget the age, you were called gay by what? Eight, I said. Eight. You were called gay by the kids at your school. And it's obviously not a good feeling when you're eight, because when you say the word gay, it often is used in a negative way. And especially then, like back then it was for sure. Yeah, for sure. And it's like, oh, you have cuties. And so that made you feel really shitty and isolated and you you in turn had to prove yourself by becoming athletic and showing your strength and all of this stuff. And so when you went through school and you started your own gym, it sort of was, I mean, yes, you obviously have a passion for fitness, but it, it probably stemmed because you were very talented in fitness because you were very strong, right? Well, it's, you know, I, I, as I said last time, I, I was just looking for validation, right? I wanted to be known to be good at something and um, for whatever, for, for a variety of reasons, when I started my fitness journey, um, I did in fact see changes in my body really quickly, which subsequently got me some degree of notoriety and validation from the people around me. And that felt great. You know, it felt really good to get that validation, which I had been looking for for a really long time. And I imagine, and and this is, I think, why a lot of people end up wanting to pursue careers in fitness after, after, you know, they've been doing something for a while and then they move into being a trainer or something like that is because it's the exact same reason is because they fell in, they, they quote unquote, fall in love with fitness because they made a huge change they got a lot of validation for it. And all of a sudden they want to share their experience with everyone. And then that's great. That's awesome. Um, Maybe just recognize a little bit, take a little bit of a deeper look at why you're doing what you're doing. Um, But anyways, you know, it's certainly all, all the things that happened as a kid, like built up to, to, and led towards um, the, fostering and of an eating you know a quote-unquote eating disorder right I mean like I've I've weighed and measured my foods like I've done all of it like I've I've eaten till I had to throw up and then I've thrown up and then I was like shit I gotta eat again because I just threw up right like on my quest to get bigger I've drank four liters of like full fat milk every day like to gain weight I've done a lot of crazy stuff Um, And it was all being driven by the pursuit of more validation for what I was doing in the gym. And like you said, that stemmed for me, that stemmed from feeling like people didn't like, I wasn't good enough. Right. Um, And wanting to be validated for my efforts. Yeah. Which which sucked. I mean, like, you know, getting validated felt great, but you know, kind of like the story I was telling you before, like at the beginning of this whole episode, it's funny because regardless of all of the validation, regardless of however strong you may or may not be, you're still not satisfied. Nothing, uh, no part of it is satisfying, right? Because you're, you're in, you have an issue with yourself. There's a self problem problem isn't that I need to go from 400 pounds to 500 pounds in my squat. The issue is that I feel like I'm not good enough. So when I got to 400 pounds, I was like, okay, cool. It's still not good enough. I need to be better. Right. Um, 
there was never a moment like the, that moment of enjoying the like it, enjoying the accomplishment was so fleeting like it was there for like such, like the, the this a split second and it was gone well yeah that's like with anything that's like when you when people say that money makes them happy and they go shopping and they're to shopping and like you get that that dopamine rush after you buy something and then you know an hour later it's gone and you're unhappy with your life again it's with anything, yeah. unless you are truly happy within yourself and you love yourself or you're on the journey to try and accept yourself, you're never going to be happy with anything you do. And if you are happy and you can say that you, or you are happy with what you've done, it's that short little period of time. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's the same with the number on the scale. It's the same with the number of like abs you can see. Um, you know, none of these things are necessarily indicators of health and they're certainly not necessarily indicators of, you know, internal happiness. For sure. Um, you know, it's, it's sad that, it, and I think it's sad, it's honestly, it's sad that we've been conditioned to believe that these are the things that will actually make us happy, right? Like society wants us to believe that the material goods, the, the numbers will, will make us happy. And, and they, they, a lot of the time they, they fail to fail to mention the part where in here, inside of you matters, right? Yeah. What's happening inside is, is, is kind of important. Well, even last episode when we talked about how, I don't know when it was the intro, maybe how, when I started at the gym with you, I said, I want to lose 50 pounds. Like where did that stem from? Right. It wasn't that I, maybe I do feel like I do need to lose weight, but it's, it's ultimately my brain thinking that I'm going to be happier with weight loss or when I lose weight. And we both know that's not true. And I know that when I lost 60 pounds, I was the most unhappy I've ever been. So it really does take going back to the time and remembering that it doesn't equate happiness. And it's truly about how, like how you are in the moment, you know, however happy you are now is as happy as you're going to be if you did, if you changed something, I mean, physically. For sure. And, and, and I'd also add to this that um, changing your relationship to yourself, changing the way that you see yourself will undoubtedly change your relationship to fitness and health. Um, because you, you, you'll see, you'll see it through all, all of it through a different lens again, right? Like, um, and I alluded to that when I talked about my, you know, my own, gave a little bit of synopsis of my own healing journey, right? Like I, I, I thought I knew everything about who I was and that, and that all changed. And I started to see everything that was happening, the whole fitness world, I started to see through a different lens, right? And I'm seeing it as like, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people are playing out their childhood traumas at the gym, trying to do exactly what I was doing, which is get validated for their efforts to make themselves feel better, all the while never realizing that the part of them that doesn't feel good is not going to be healed by that. Right. Yeah. I mean, speaking of childhood traumas, my eating disorder definitely stemmed from that. I'm, I, whenever I tell the story of my eating disorder, I oftentimes blame it on the nutritionist that I was with and my own naive, I guess, 17 year old brain who was so desperate to lose weight that I would listen to anything she said. And so I took it very literally. And, you know, sometimes you have to take things that people say with a grain of salt. I just did the opposite. Um, but 
it wasn't only her, it was that it stemmed from all the wounds from my childhood, whether that was when I would go to a clothing store and nothing would fit and all my friends would be wearing Aritzia and I couldn't, or whether it was that my, my dad, which makes me sad to say, but whether it was my dad saying that men like skinny girls, like telling a kid that, and it, those, those things like stick with you. And that definitely fueled my eating disorder because the result of my weight loss was that I was able to shop at every at any store that I wanted and I had the best clothes and everybody complimented them. And then I also had a prom date and then a year later had a boyfriend. And so obviously that's timing. I really don't think that had to do with my physical image. Maybe it did. I don't know. But the timing really worked out to fuck with my head and prove that my childhood traumas came true. And so now that I have gained weight and don't have a boyfriend, it's like those same things come up, you know? Um, and I have to like sit with myself and tell myself that it's not true that I, I don't have a boy. I don't not have a boyfriend right now because I'm overweight or I'm overweight, whatever living in a larger body than I was, but because of so many other reasons, like the fact that it's been a fucking pandemic for two years. Right. And there's been nowhere to meet anybody. And, but like those, those childhood wounds that I have yet to heal still come out and try and, and fuck with my head. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, and you know, some of, I was, I'm just like thinking about what I want to say. I was going to say some or all of that story may be accurate or, and, and maybe it's not right. Um, I, I, I am, you know, like why you had a boyfriend at, at the time that you had a boyfriend oh, or like yeah. why you don't have a boyfriend now or whatever. Right. Like, um, you know, and, and I know we, we are going to talk about this in a, in a later episode, but you know, in order to, cause you just admittedly said like, there's still things for me to heal in, sure. in, in, in my relationship with myself is that in order to be able to be fully able to receive and give love reciprocating, right? You, you really, it, it's the most, it's been my experience that it's the most successful when you have a, a more positive relationship with yourself, right? Um, 100%. Just, just well, food for thought. Yeah. Well, my mom always says that you can't love your, you can't, nobody can love you if you don't love yourself. And I love that because it's true. Not that nobody can love you because obviously people in your life love you, even when you're at the lowest points in your life, but it does make it that much harder to support someone and love them when they are so down and out about themselves and always, you know, saying negative things about themselves or doubting their abilities. So that is definitely, that definitely holds true. Yeah, no, it, it does. It is true. Um, I've experienced it right like when I when I was like man and and this is actually one of the reasons why like why I really fell in love with CrossFit actually I'll tell you I'm gonna tell you a little story so for for the like from when I I, like my first exposure to working out and lifting weights was when I was about 16 years old and um, like I said earlier I, I got results really quickly right my body changed fast um, and I liked that. And I quickly became obsessed with fit, with working out, taking the supplements, going to the gym five, six times a week, working out for two or three hours, like 
you know, I was constantly late for things. I quit doing almost everything that wasn't gym related so that I could have more to devote to that. Right. Um, and <clears throat> I just have this like pure, like narcissistic view of myself, like of how great I thought I looked and how jacked I thought I was. And, and, you know, one of the primary reasons I imagine a lot of people, um, engage in fitness activities, you know, beyond maybe improving your health is to attract a partner. Right. And so I, I thought, you know, like, fuck, I'm going to get all the girls. I got, I got, I'm ripped. I got big arms. Like I look fucking good without a shirt on. So ladies are going to be like all over me. But what I didn't realize is that I just had the shittiest vibe going. <laughs> <laughs> and I got no ladies. Okay, honestly, Aww. I got no fucking ladies. I, I, you know, I got here and there, but like it wasn't, you know what I mean? It wasn't like, it wasn't the way I imagined it in my head. <laughs> they were going to be like running to you. Yeah, I thought like all I got to do is just stand here and it's just going to happen. That <laughs> <laughs> nah, was just not the case. Um, but you know what what crossfit did for me and 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 like i said before this is what happens to people why they start pursuing fitness and and cuz you have a life changing experience so what happened for me with crossfit was that crossfit reshaped my whole entire view of fitness and health right because what i was doing before was bodybuilding based right it was purely based on big muscles look better okay anyone who understands the idea of CrossFit. CrossFit is about performance. It's about doing what works. Um, and it's about being well-rounded. And it, it's, you know, the aesthetic comes as a result of doing what works, as a result of functional movements, as a result of intensity and, and um, constantly varied exercise. And that changed my perception of fitness because you know that's a pretty big contrast right everything you're doing is to look better now everything you're doing is to perform better as a result of performing better you're just the the, the byproduct is it might happen to be looking better right and so all of a sudden i wasn't obsessed with how i looked all of a sudden i i my 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 there was a shift in how i saw myself and the degree of seriousness that I saw myself with. And, and I was able to laugh at myself and I was able to like, that changed everything with the ladies, honestly. <laughs> like, no, I'm kidding. I'm not even kidding. Like that was like, it was like a, like a, a light switch change. It changed that dramatic, that fast it was like, it was like my attitude about myself changed and people, especially women were drawn towards me at a, at a much higher rate. Um, I love that. Honestly, like it's true. It's true. Um, it was interesting. And then that, uh, I, admittedly, that is one of the reasons that success, that that change um, that I had from, from CrossFit is probably one of the biggest reasons why I ended up owning a CrossFit gym. Yeah. That good, um, that good energy. Yeah. And, and, and it just like, it changed my life because it, it changed the whole, the whole way that everyone saw me right? I wasn't this like guy with a chip on his shoulder who needed something, had to prove something all the time. And look how good I look. I was just like, yeah, I'm fucking, I'm fit. That's it. Right. I don't but care. 
Right, right, right. Back to the uh, topic, though. How did orthorexia? Yeah, when <laughs> the way you pronounce it is so funny. Um, I pronounce or- words funny. Apparently, you say orthorexia. Just orthorexia. Is, orthorexia. Isn't it ortho Whatever. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Well, like more important things to discuss than the pronunciation of the yes, word. Yes, you're right. Um, so, but so your eating disorder started in university, correct? Mm, you know, off and on. You know, it, it, it did get worse uh, when I was, you know, like actually in my 20s. I, I went through periods of time where I, I did like weighing and measuring food and like, you know, I, I ate the zone diet. Anyone who's done CrossFit, they, you know, OG CrossFitters, they know the zone diet. Um, that was the original diet prescription for CrossFit. But uh, I've also done the gallon of milk a day diet to gain weight um, and eat whatever the fuck you want. Um, and that was the antithesis of health. Um and, and honestly, that diet, that kind of eating made me resent eating because it made eating a job for me. Right. Um, so, so I guess to, to some degree, that is a disordered eating habit, right? It was like eating for the purpose of getting larger um, intentionally. And, you know, I was a skinny kid. So it was hard for me to gain weight um, when I was younger. I had to put a lot of work into it. And you know, and then but that really started me with this obsession with making sure that I was eating enough food all the time. Right. Right. Um, I wasn't necessarily concerned with the nutritional quality of the food, but I was like, I got to make sure I'm eating enough food. Otherwise, I'm going to lose weight. And God forbid, I'm a skinny guy. I want to be the big guy. I want to be huge. Right. Um well, that could be disorder too. It doesn't only, have sure. to be, it only, it doesn't only have to be weight loss. It, it's also weight gain. It's literally any obsession. And when your whole mindset becomes around food, which we talked about, like having to eat every single three hours on the three hour mark and have the right proportions of every single thing, it, it turns from something that's in the, like in hopes to be healthy and it turns into just obsessive and yeah, it could be weight loss or weight gain related. Yeah, you know, it, it progressed for me because, you know, it, it, it was an obsession with making sure I eat enough food to, to maintain the body weight I was at and, and stuff like that. Um, and, and subsequently that turned into like, I couldn't really enjoy what I was eating in the moment of eating it because I was already worrying about what I was going to eat in my next meal, right? Like w- making sure there was enough food, making sure I was prepared, making sure there was stuff of it, whatever it was, right. Uh, making sure there's enough protein in that. Is there meat in that? I can't have, I can have, God forbid I have a meal without protein in it. Right. Like, um, that kind of stuff really, really like hampered my relationship with food in terms of just, I couldn't enjoy, I wasn't enjoying life to the, to the, to the degree that was possible because I was like, I was too concerned with, with, with eating all the time. Um, and it actually got to a point where I was like, you know what? I want to eat a lot of food, but I don't want to eat crappy food. So I'm going to like, I, I, uh, I started doing this thing called RP Renaissance periodization, which is a nutrition protocol. Um, and it's like, man, you you would have a shit fit if you saw this. Oh God. What is it? It's like, it's, it's a spreadsheet. 
Okay. And it's a breakdown of exactly how much protein, carbs, and fats you need to eat. Okay. And there, and it's so detailed and it honestly, it fucking works. Like, okay. It works really well. It's, it's very successful program. For weight gain or for muscle or for what? Uh, it can be gaining weight, losing weight, maintaining body, body uh, improving body composition. It can be t- tweaked. Right. Okay. Um, but you know, it, it's like a spreadsheet and it's got like, this is how much you put in your body weight, you put in your, your fitness goals and it, it spits out this spreadsheet for you of like, if you work out first thing in the morning, here's your, here's your regimen of how to break up your macros throughout the day. If you work out as, after your first meal, like it, it literally gives you every single possible scenario you might do in a day. Wow. Um, and how to break up. So I was like, you know, I'm have to have 50 grams of carbs while I'm working out. And immediately following my workout, I got to have 50 grams of protein. And then I got to, you know, I'm taking 50 grams of protein before I go to bed. And I got to have, you know, you know, my first meal after I work out, it's got to have like 120 grams of carbs and it's got to have 35 grams of protein and, and 12 grams of fat. And like, so I went to a food prep company and I was like, yo, I need you to make me X, Y, and Z meals. They got to have, I need three meals with this, three meals with that, three meals with this. Right. And I'm going to eat like this. And, Cause I was like, there's no way I'm going to measure out everything. I don't have the time for this. I got a gym to run. I got two gyms to run. I got a clinic. Like, I don't have time, but you guys are going to make this food for me. I'm going to eat this shit. And like, that was, uh, don't get me wrong. I mean, like it was, it works. You know, if, if, if that's again, like if, if you want the results of, of some kind of body, it is achieved that way. And a lot of the time now, again, I don't think it's healthy, but it it can be achieved that way quite effectively. Um, I was going to say that, sorry, let me just quickly get this in before I forget. I was going to say, when you said I was going to have a shit fit, I was wondering what the diet was, but I do understand that there are goals that need to be reached. And I do understand that the proportions and the percentages and the grams of your food does matter. I do get that. I do get the science aspect of it. And I don't bash that because I, I know people who, who love to live that way and it's healthy for them and whatever. My thing is when it becomes so obsessive that like you wouldn't eat anything outside of those three meals. And well, I wouldn't, that was the thing. Right. And even when you hit your goals, like then you have to continue, you know, it's like, it's the, once you hit your goal for me and then, and then what, like you fall off the, the bridge, right. You fall off the cliff because it's like, I've been so used to eating these meals that have been prepared for me, which is great. And I was so used to following this spreadsheet, but now that I've reached my goal and um, I'm there now, what do I go back to? Do I keep doing the spreadsheet? Cause that's comfortable because I know it's safe and that I will not gain, lose, whatever your goal was, or do I go start living life and figure that out? But that's also a mind fuck because it's like, where do you start? Right. So when I, when I put out these like, um, advisories, not advisories, but like trigger warnings or like be aware of, of X, Y, and Z, I'm more putting it out to like the, the masses of people who are not reaching fitness goals and not counting macros and not doing this stuff and just purely trying to live life without food rules because food rules just fucking suck. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, admittedly, like it, it, it really did. The whole thing messed with me. 
right? Like the whole thing, my whole relationship with food at that point was fucked up, like to some degree or another. It, it was, right? Like, um, and, and the, the, the meal, the prepped food, specific macro, I mean, this food wasn't that fucking good. Like it didn't taste great. No, it wasn't. I, I hated eating it. And it got, I was like, I had to force, force feed myself this shit. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just okay. like, God damn, I got, I got to eat like ground chicken and like roasted peppers and rice again. Fuck. I have this four times a week, <laughs> right? Like, oh my yeah. God, right? But it's like, this is my post-workout meal and it's got the right amount of carbs. So I have to eat this, right? And I'm like shoveling food down. I'm like, I'm just spitting rice out. I'm like, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, and that, that was that was the life I was living, right? And I'm like, I'm eating this bland ass food and like, it doesn't taste that good. And, you know, I, I think I've told you this story. Eventually what happened is I, I went camping with Alicia and I did a bunch of mushrooms and I had a fucking like out loud freak out with myself. All right. Like, so what happened with the mushroom experience was, you know, um, and this was the first experience I actually had of taking a, a pretty substantial amount. I had taken mushrooms before and eaten them, but I hadn't taken like a, a heavy dose before. Um, and anyone who's taken mushrooms knows like, you know, you probably want to do it on a relatively empty stomach. Um, and it's, it might make your stomach hurt, right? Because, you know, and you're going to be fucking high for a good four hours. Like, you're going to be tripping out. Like, you're going to be seeing things from a different perspective for a while. And you're probably not going to eat. Okay? So what happened is, I, you know, we, we were camping. We woke up in the morning. We cooked breakfast. We ate breakfast, and then I, uh, we're like, okay, we're going to eat some mushrooms. We'll go for a hike halfway through our hike. We're going to get like, we're going to start seeing some, some sweet stuff and, and, and we'll just ride it for the rest of the time. What I didn't account for was that like, okay, I ate breakfast. Uh, and the next thing, you know, I haven't eaten for like four hours. Right. And so I started having, I'm, uh, we got back from our hike and I'm sitting at our campsite and I start having this like external, it's out loud. I'm having this dialogue of like, oh my God, I need to eat, but I don't want to eat because I don't want to mess with the mushrooms. But if I don't eat, it's going to be like eight hours since I ate last. And that's not good, but I, I, I need to eat, but I don't want to eat. Uh, like, I don't want to fuck with the mushrooms, but it's going to be too long. And I'm just like going back and forth out loud like this. Right. And then all of a sudden I was like, this is fucked. <laughs> and I, and I, honest to God, I've never had the same relationship with food ever again. That was the moment where I realized that like, I, I, I was having my whole like view of food was fucked. And after that, I was like, you know what? I'm going to eat whatever I want, whenever I want. And I'm not going to feel bad about it. Um, if, if I don't eat a meal when I was quote unquote supposed to, it's okay. And if I overeat, that's okay too. Um, and that was the beginning of the end of all of the like prepped meals and everything. It all went away after that. Like it's gone. Right. Like yeah. I've, I've never, I haven't counted a macro since that fucking day. Honestly, I have no idea how much protein I eat in a day. I have no idea how many carbs or anything. The only degree of consistency I have is that I prepare food on, on a Sunday and I generally eat the, that same food for lunch every day so that I don't have to buy like takeout food. Um, and I eat a relatively similar breakfast every day because I like what I eat for breakfast. And then Alicia and I just cook tasty food for dinner. And that's all I eat. That's it. My three meals, breakfast, lunch, dinner, however I see it fit. 
Yeah. And it's fucking awesome. I love that. The fact that you could say that's fucking awesome after like dealing with shit is just so nice. Doesn't it feel so good? It feels great because I, I love eating the foods that I eat. I don't feel like I'm restricted. I'm not restricting myself in any way. Um, and, you know, I also, granted, I also have enough experience with, with all of that world of, of diet culture that I know what to eat to a certain degree. You know what I mean? Like, I know how much, you know, I, I, like, I just know what to eat. Like, mm-hmm. I don't need to weigh things. I don't need that. I don't need to like n- eat all, know all my macros. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, for sure, I, I can ballpark my ratios without having to fucking weigh it. And and yeah, and and you know, a, a, a relative amount of consistency in the same in, in what you eat is probably going to yield you some kind of result. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think I think you got lucky well not lucky I guess everything happens for a reason but the fact that it was such a simple mindset shift from taking the mushrooms that got you over the hump and like caused that realization is such a blessing I would say because some people it takes so much time and some people never go into recovery some people live with an eating disorder their entire lives which is so unfortunate and upsetting and then some people like me have to hit rock bottom and not enjoy university and then go to therapy and then recover, which I also had a a pretty, it was fucking awful. But at the same time, looking back, I had a very like quick recovery journey. I would say like I had my eating disorder for a year and a half and then started recovery and didn't look back. Like I obviously still have thoughts, but I've been recovering, you know? And so when I think, when I hear your story, cause I've heard that story a few times, I'm like, fuck, that's like a, that's a blessing that you absolutely it is no that doubt. happened in like such a snap of a finger, you know? Well, you know, it, it, I, I would equate most of that to the mushrooms. You know, it is called a quote unquote plant medicine for a reason. Uh, I know a lot of people use mushrooms and, and stuff as, as like recreational drugs and, and I've used them as recreational drugs and they're a lot of fun um, in the right frame of mind in the right setting. You, you can have a lot of fun with mushrooms. Um, but also there is an element to these kinds of plant medicines where in the right setting and the right frame of mind, you can actually, you, you can actually see yourself from a different perspective and you can see the world in general from a different perspective. And, and I know a lot of people have had similar kinds of, of life-changing perspective shifts from taking things like mushrooms or um, another one, another common one is ayahuasca. People, people's like life changes after they take that, that stuff. Right. Uh, I don't have any experience with that particular plant medicine, Um, but I know it's very common and it, and it has become much more like popularized this like plant medicine journeys to like see different, see your life through a different lens. Yeah. I mean, I definitely want to dabble into that. I'm just scared, but I think, yeah, like I For said, sure. what, what are you afraid of? I don't know. I, um, I just don't love drugs. I have, I smoked weed like a few years ago, not a few years ago when I was in grade 11 and I just didn't have a good time. 
and it ended up being a bad trip. And so since then I haven't done any drugs and I just like, I don't know, I love the feeling of being sober and being in my own, like controlling that state of mind. But I do know, and we've talked about this, like I know how a fun, but also like beneficial it could be to do these things because it does, it could do something like it happened to you, something really beneficial. And also like, I know what you're thinking right now, the ego, the ego. My no, ego. I was actually going to say there's an, we, when we're sober, we have an illusion of control. We yeah, actually have very control. little control over most things that are happening around us and, and to us, right. Quote unquote to us. Right. Um, but I just like control. And that also goes back to disorder eating. Cause like an eating disorder is just having control over it, which is why you become obsessed. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I just like to feel maybe it's an illusion. I don't really care, but <laughs> I just like to feel like it I'm is. An Ill- oh, it is. Okay. Um, but you know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean. Absolutely. Because, because, you know, pot marijuana um, is a plant medicine, right? It, 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 and actually like, you know, high, high doses of, of, of marijuana and low doses of psilocybin mushrooms, in my experience, having done both quite uh, in uh, quite, I wasn't, I was going to say in excess, but that's not the right word. Um, extensively is the word I was looking for quite extensively. Um, I can, I can attest to the fact that like a lot of, a lot of weed, especially like, you know, ingesting it, like eating it is very much like, a, a, you know, a gram of mushrooms that'll give you a really similar, you know, like take, take like 150 milligrams of THC, like, or, or a gram of mushrooms, you probably have um, a really similar experience, maybe, you right. know, maybe a little bit less than a gram, but it, it, it makes you. people who who really like control and like to feel and quote unquote control of everything um have trouble with with these kinds of of plant medicines because you have to surrender to the experience you have to just let it happen you you have to recognize that you're just in the trip and let it and and be okay with whatever's going to come out of it right uh, and 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 that that's the part I think that you're afraid of is is surrendering to the experience because you might be afraid of what the experience will show you about yourself. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, that's also why I'm scared of of a healing journey because we did one and I was just nervous because I'm like I don't know what's going to happen, but at least for with that I could just be like, okay, I want to stop. With the with drugs, you can't. You have oh, to ride the wave. You for- should never take acid. <laughs> I I definitely Oh my wasn't, goodness. I wasn't planning on it, but thanks. <laughs> oh man. One time Alicia and I went skiing out in Fernie, BC. Oh, Excuse I, me, wait, I'm- hold on. Is our podcast gonna get taken down because of this? No, okay. absolutely not. Keep talking. Um no, so one time Alicia and I, we this is a couple of years ago, we we went out to BC to go skiing in the mountains. And um our last night is a fucking it's the coldest night. It was like minus 30 outside. Okay. We piece of advice for everyone listening, don't take a tab of acid when it's minus fucking 30 outside and you have to stay in a 300 square foot hotel room all night. Okay. That happened to me. Oh man, that like because acid different from mushrooms. Uh, like an acid trip is like 12 hours 
Tracy, oh, you're yeah. you're like feeling it. You're feeling that shit for a while, right? And like, so it was. I paced up and down the room. I was like looking out the window. I'd go to the bathroom, walk to the bathroom, walk back to the door, look out the window. Like I was just, <laughs> I was, I was in another world, right? And like, you just, I got to a point where I was like, okay, I need this to be over. Like, I want this to be over. I need to go to bed. It's two o'clock in the morning already. Oh my gosh. But no, not, anyway, not my that vibe. was a good tangent. So that's that's yeah, it's it's long and you can like you said, you can't get out of it. Um the, once you've you've ingested the drugs, it's gonna take take its course. Um but I agree with you, healing work is very much because it it's a discovery of yourself, right? It's 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 showing you the parts of you that need to be healed and working on healing them, right? Um, and that is uncomfortable for most people because it's, you know, it's the parts of you that typically you, you try and ignore. Um, and, and, and yeah, you can choose to exit the, 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 uh, the healing work, right? Like you don't have to do it if you don't want to, um, you know, Ram Dass, I don't know if you know who that is. Nope. Never heard of Ram Dass. He's he's a very, he's, he's dead now, but he's a famous, um, buddhist teacher and uh he he says that um you know meditation and healing work right can be achieved on their own like the same result can be achieved through meditation and stuff like that like the same healing and the same result can be achieved through meditation and it can also be achieved through plant medicine right but like plant medicine is like the crash course you're just like you're accelerating it right? It's just being forced on you. Whereas with the healing work and the meditative work, you actually have to cultivate the practice yourself and, and go through the work of, of being able to allow yourself to get there instead of being forced there. Right. It's so true. Definitely is true. Maybe I'll try it one day, John, <laughs> but I don't know. That makes me nervous. Anyways, we're not going to talk about drugs, but um... <laughs> we already did. We already did for the past 15 minutes. Um, Drugs are fun, kids. You'll like them. Do not say that. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> I think it's time to to sizzle out, to fizzle out. Sizzle. Um, we didn't really go much into detail about our eating disorders, but I mean. Well, I did. I think I did. Yeah, you did, I guess. What What else do you want to say about yours? Nothing, really. I I feel like. I don't know. It'll come out in future, but also there's nothing really much else to say. Well, here, here, where are you at with your eating right now? Like what, what's your relationship with food right now versus what it used to be like? What's contrast that for people? Oh, that's so a they, good question. They get it. That is a good question. Um, my relationship with food right now is definitely positive. There is not one food that I won't put in my mouth and before when I had my eating disorder, there was only like a handful of foods that I would put in my mouth. So that's a huge change. Um, there's obviously things that are still like fear foods and things that I remember from my eating disorder that I just like don't enjoy eating anymore because that was like a safe food for me. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely good right now. My, my eating. And I also, as a nutritionist, my favorite thing to do with clients is like restrictive and binge eating work and deal with people who struggle with that. And so something that I've been doing is testing myself because I feel like you can't really help people if you don't 
like you got to be your own guinea pig sometimes. And so I've been, cause I also do binge sometimes. And so I've been testing myself and teaching myself how to not, and it's with the abundance mindset. And John taught mm-hmm. me that I only knew that maybe like a month ago or two months ago, but, um, I realized that I had a scarce mindset and everything was like now or never. Like if you, if you don't finish it now, or you don't do it now, or you don't have it now, you won't have it tomorrow. And so that really did Mm. like happen with food for me because my whole life, my, my parents would restrict food without realizing it from me and call foods good and bad and do all the things. Cause I was overweight. So their goal was to help me lose weight and it ends up backfiring. And so for me now I have an abundance mindset with food and my cupboard has all the things and I have ice cream in my freezer and I have chocolate and chips and all the things that normally I would binge on because when you have them in your house and you have them available to you, you realize that they're not special. And so something Mm. that's really helped a lot. Sounds like you're a lot better at moderating your intake of those foods than I am. So I know that you always say that you can't handle sour keys, John, but the I reason- can't handle chips either though. Like, th- you know, g- give me a bag of Ruffles salt, salt and vinegar. That, that whole fuck, that thing is going down. Like I'm totally. going to finish that whole bag. I know you're like a lot of people though. A lot of people can't control themselves when it comes to chips, chocolate, cookies, ice cream, whatever. There's also chemicals in those foods that make that the case too, right? Like Oh yeah, you know, we're addicted. MSG is in like Ruffles salt and vinegar. It's got a good amount of MSG in it, right? Like that's yeah. the purpose of MSG is to make that happen. Once you eat one, you gotta eat 50. For sure. Right? But also psychologically, like you don't keep sour keys in your house because you think you're gonna eat the whole container, but because you don't keep them in your house, whenever you do have access to them, you feel like you need to <laughs> no, I hear you. I get it. No, no, I hear I understand what you're saying. You're not wrong. I mean, yeah. um, you know, admittedly, like that's been my experience. Um, and I would rather avoid, oh, she's turning the lights on here. Um, I would rather avoid rotting my teeth on a regular basis. Um, that's just, it works for me. I don't, I don't miss eating sour keys. I don't feel like I'm like holding back by not eating sour keys or like not buying sour keys on a regular basis. You know what I mean? Or same thing with chips. Um, so I, I quite enjoy all like, like, you know, like last night, for example, I made like, like this tasty ass pasta, right? Like, Oh, so good. I could eat a lot of that. Yeah. You know, like, I really enjoy what I eat anyway. So I don't, I don't need the junk food quote unquote to, to like as extra, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't feel withheld from. For sure. That's why there's mute for the microphones. Smart. Um, no, I agree with you. I think that, I mean, as adults, I think we also not, I'm not going to talk for every adult because I know a lot of us still binge, but I think we also do realize that like, we don't need to eat junk food every single day, junk food. I don't even like that word, but we're not going to go there. We don't need to eat <laughs> like sugar and all these things every day because they're accessible to us. Like we can literally drive to Seven Eleven or any store and grab them. So it's not like when you're a kid and you only have access to things that your parents buy because you don't have a car or money, but 
I think it's important to, like I just said, remember that like, we still do get psychologically messed up just like kids do when we restrict ourselves. And so that is a, a big, big factor when it comes to like, I can't control myself when I see ice cream. Like it's, it's all your psyche. If you really think about it, when you're eating a pint of ice cream, nobody is, nobody's body is like, I need to eat a whole pint. You just need to like taste, you know, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's very psychological. And that that's for me, what I've really figured out. And I mean, it doesn't take a mad scientist to realize that like eating disorders and food and the culture around food is heavily psychological. There's only so much physical things. If you got rid of our like mental state and just fed a human body, it could survive off of such, you know, like small amounts of food and like macros and whatever, and things that our ancestors used to survive on because they didn't have access to grocery stores and they had to hunt and gather. But when you bring into play the fact that we're humans living in a society that puts so much emphasis on food and the abundance of food and, and like chips and things that are produced in factories, it, it really does. It really is important to remember that. And that goes back to why I don't like what I eat in a day videos. <laughs> Straight up. Because we just forget that we're humans who like, we, yeah, that's, that's literally all I have to say. Oh, we're going to leave um, it there. Mike, Mike drop. Yeah. I don't even know if that made sense. Why I really did back to the Eden Day videos. Because we're humans and we want to enjoy life. I hope. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't really have much else to add, to be totally honest with you. I think you, I think you just hit it on the head. Yeah. That reminds me of that. We've been chatting for a while. So. All right. We'll end it here. Yeah. All right. Um, Anything else you, yeah, I'm good. Like I'm complete with this conversation. Amazing. Oh, I was going to add, um, that that dm that someone sent me but it will actually talk about we're going to talk about bmi and um debunking diet culture in one of our next episodes so get excited for that because we have a lot to say awesome where does everyone find you at raquel bonita on instagram and tiktok and on my other podcast on the call-in app called confessions of a thick thigh where can we find oh. you uh, you can find me at the gym, Vaughn Strength and Conditioning, uh, on the internet, vaughnsc.ca, and you can find me on Instagram at the Wounded Athlete. Amazing. Don't forget Amazing. to like, comment, share, subscribe. Do all the things. We love you guys. Bye. Awesome. Bye. <laughs>